This frequency is for open-minded thinkers, for observers who are hopelessly curious, for experiencers of the mysterious, and for those who are passionate about perceiving the unknown. I will be sharing with you all my own exceptional experiences and other extraordinary constructs that exist in our reality. Welcome to Access Elysium. up and welcome to all of you beautiful souls out there. I am your host Amber Odell and this is the Access Elysium podcast. So have you ever been sound asleep and were abruptly awakened at the sound of a deafening bang or a loud explosion that could only be heard in your own head? If so, you could be suffering from exploding head syndrome. So coming up on the show today, we're going to dive into how sound can affect your body in positive and negative ways, some of the world's most mysterious noises, and my own personal and super creepy sound occurrences. So what the fuck is sound? (laughs) Sometimes these simple words seem like they should have a simple answer and they don't. So sound is a form of energy. Oh my gosh, everything is energy. That's what I've come to the conclusion of. (laughs) But sound is a form of energy and it comes from vibrations. These vibrations create sound waves which move through all forms of matter such as gases, liquids, solids, and plasmas before reaching our ears. So when sound reaches our ears, the sound waves reach our ears, these waves make the delicate skin of the eardrums vibrate and that's how we hear sound. Sciencey stuff. <laughs> I, I love the sciencey stuff. And then I just combine it with the weird stuff and it gets even better. But so what is sound? Sound is just, oh man, I, I feel like everything in the entire universe was created specifically from sound. I feel like that right there started everything. As soon as there was any kind of movement in this universe. Well, like that's where it all started. Uh, But so just to kind of break sound down for you, sound needs a medium to propagate. Fancy words. But so the traveling of sound is called propagation of sound. So that's what it means when sound travels. Sound cannot propagate in the absence of a medium. So the place where there is no air or air is removed, it's called a vacuum, and that is the one place that sound cannot travel, is through a vacuum, which to me, this seems very strange, (laughs) because I feel like, and this is my number one question when it comes to sound, and I will get into it later too, but I can hear, hear, you, you, you hear things after there's a vibration in your ear, right? That's what we just figured out. Sounds, I can hear sounds in my mind. So what is going on there? Okay, like <laughs> that, is that a vacuum? That's that's not a vacuum because we wouldn't be able to hear it. But is there air like moving around in there? Like sound isn't even coming from this reality in my mind when I say reality. Maybe this dimension of vibration. So something is vibrating somewhere and that's how I can hear my thoughts where <laughs> where is that vibration? What is that medium that is vibrating for me to hear my own thoughts? I don't know yet. <laughs> we'll find out someday. Yeah, no. But let's get into more sciencey parts. So the physical reception of sound in any hearing organism is limited to the range of frequencies that it can hear. Okay, I get that. So maybe the vibrations from my thoughts are vibrating so high, I can't, no, I can still hear them. No, I don't got it yet. Okay. (laughs) But humans normally hear sound frequencies between approximately 20 hertz and 20,000 hertz or 20 kilohertz. This is where humans can hear. So guess what, humans? We can't hear all kinds of things. Just this one little spot on the sound frequencies. The upper 
uh, limit of what you can hear also decreases in age. And sometimes sound refers to only those vibrations where frequencies are within our hearing range. And, and for other animals, it's completely different. So for instance, dogs can perceive vibrations way higher than 20 kilohertz. So they do hear weird shit that we don't hear. So when you see their little ears perk up or they look in certain directions, no, they're they're probably hearing and seeing weird shit that we just can't. It's vibrating on a whole different level. That shit's real, a whole nother level. So as a signal is perceived by one of the major senses, sound is used by many species for detecting danger, navigation, and communication. So Earth's atmosphere, the water, and virtually any physical phenomenon such as fire, rain, wind, surf, or earthquakes um, that are produced, they all produce a unique sound. Everything has its own unique sound. So many species such as frogs, birds, marine life, and terrestrial animals have also developed special organs to produce sound. So in some species, these produce song and speech. Out like humans and birds. We both sing and talk to each other. Uh, Furthermore, humans have developed culture and technology such as music and telephones and radios that allows them to generate, record, transmit, and broadcast sound. We're getting deep (laughs) in the sound today. So the acoustic environment is the combination of like all the sounds, whether you can hear them as a human or not, uh, they're there, no matter what you think. <laughs> so seeing is not believing and hearing is not believing now because you only hear a little tiny bit. So ultrasound is sound waves with frequency that are way higher than 20,000 hertz. And ultrasound is not different from audible sound and its physical properties. It just cannot be heard by humans. It's making sounds. We just can't hear it. Uh, so infrasound is sound waves with frequency lower than 20 hertz. Um, all those sounds of such low frequency are too low for humans to hear. Whales, elephants, and other animals can detect infrasound and use it to communicate. So it can be used to detect volcanic eruptions and used in some types of music. So you're telling me there's infrasound and music that I can't hear? Why would you put that there then? There's a meaning behind that and a purpose. I'm going to have to look into that one. Noise. Yeah. So noise is a term often used to refer as unwanted sound. So the difference between music sounds and noise is music is produced with these vibrations that have regular wave patterns from musical instruments of some kind. But noise is irregular vibrations. So it sounds like shit. <laughs> Is not music. It sounds bad. But sound waves are generated by a sound source, such as the vibrating diaphragm of a stereo speaker. So there is a sound source, and that creates vibration in the surrounding medium. So as the source continues to vibrate, vibrations propagate away from the source at the speed of sound. And that's what a sound wave is. It's the speed of sound. It's the sound moving away. from whatever started wiggling. So there always has to be something wiggling in the first place for there to be sound. Okay, so I did some digging on this infrasound stuff in music because I'm like, why? (laughs) What is going on here? So I did find uh, on this website, sarahngliss.com. She did some experiments on infrasonic sounds because it was very intriguing to her as well. So infrasonic, a.k.a. soundless music, was a controlled psychological experiment in the form of two back-to-back concerts. So these concerts were highly unusual because some of the music was laced with infrasound, which is the extreme bass sound below 20 hertz in frequency that we can't hear. So it's fascinating to discover that many large churches and cathedrals around the world have bass organ pipes that are so long they create notes at infrasonic frequencies. So pipes this long have been made since the time of Bach, but infrasonic pipes are used in sacred music and there's debate about why, but some people say that infrasound enhances a sense of 
awe. So at moments of climax in the music, it adds a psychologically terrifying vibration in the room, causing a sensation that puts a shiver down your spine. So wait a minute. So you're telling me churches are trying to scare the fuck out of us into believing whatever they're saying? No. (laughs) Can't be. That sounds strange. (laughs) No pun intended. But the soundless music... Uh, were two counterbalanced experimental concerts in the Purcell Room in London. So these took place within 90 minutes of each other on May 31st, 2003. So the same music was played in both concerts, but each concert was laced with infrasound in different places. So neither the the, uh, performers nor the audience were told when the infrasound was going to be present. The only person that knew this was literally locked away in a cupboard for the entirety of both concerts that was kind of adding it in. So it was very completely random. So at certain points in the concert, the audience were asked to fill out questionnaires to report on the feelings they had during the previous pieces. Uh, They were also asked to report on how excited or bored they were during them. And the summary is that when the infrasound was present, people reported feeling a very unease and a sense of a very strong presence. So that is what the infrasound does in music. So many horror films are known to use infrasound with both the 2007 film Paranormal Activity and the 2002 French psychological horror film Irreversible heavily utilizing infrasonic sound to create chilling sound effects Oh, how smart. (laughs) You want to scare the shit out of people with your movies? Put it in your music? Oh, I love it. But researchers also found that the brainwave frequency of fear is four cycles per second or four hertz. So if you want to scare someone, you pump out four hertz and voila. (laughs) This is crazy. So I wonder if there's a way to detect the vibration of consciousness. I mean, surely, I don't know. Maybe this is something I should look into deeper. I mean, because that would bring you to source. You know how they always talk about source. So whether you're a religious person, a spiritual person, or whoever, we all come from this source. But what if the source isn't just one source? So we've got like a light source, and now we have a sound source. Like what if these are just multiple sources that we come from? And then when we come here, we're like integrated. And that's what creates our avatars. Yes. I love this shit. Okay, well, I found on discovermagazine.com, they had an article about the loudest sound ever heard, and it talks about what is the furthest distance sound can travel. So when we talk about history, that's a whole nother one too. Um, So far, history is just way far off. (laughs) I mean, for the most part, we get it, you know, but history is not recorded correctly. And I love how when we say, oh, when we, it's been in recorded history, that hasn't even done right most of the time. But back from that rant. So on August 27th, 1883, the earth let out a noise louder than any it has made since. So recorded history, not very long. Um, It's been about a hundred and what is my math happening? 30 years, 40 years since this happened. It was 10.02 a.m. local time when the sound emerged from an island of Crocatia, Crocatia, which, I'm the first, oh my gosh, which sits between Java and Sumatra in Indonesia. It was heard 1,300 miles away in nearby islands, and the extraordinary sounds were heard as if they were guns firing. That's how loud it was. So this is like a huge explosion. In all, it was heard by over 50 different geographical locations together, spanning an area covering a 13th of the entire globe. So this was a giant 
noise that was made. Uh, so just think for a minute just how crazy this is. If you're in Boston and someone tells you that they heard a sound coming from New York City, you're probably going to give them like, well, you're sure, buddy. But Boston is merely 200 miles from New York. So what we're talking about here is like being in Boston and clearly hearing a noise coming from Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. So what could possibly create such an earth-shattering loud bang? It was a volcano that had just erupted with the force so great that it tore that island apart and emitted a plume of smoke that reached 17 miles into the atmosphere, according to the geologists who witnessed it. You could use this observation to calculate that stuff spewed out of the volcano at over 1,600 miles per hour or nearly half a mile per second. That's extremely fast. I mean, that's more than twice the speed of sound. So it's happening twice as fast as you can even hear it. So this explosion created a deadly tsunami with waves over 100 feet in height. Uh, Obviously, now we're getting at the sound wave that was created from that, created that tsunami wave. The British ship Norham Castle was 40 miles from Croatia. I think that's how you say it. At the time of the explosion, uh, the ship's captain wrote in his log, so violent are the explosions that the eardrums of over half of my crew have been shattered. My last thoughts are with my dear wife. I am convinced that the day of judgment has come. Holy shit. Can you imagine hearing something like that? I mean, (laughs) or that's the last thing that you hear because it just blew out your eardrums. Whoa. Well, next we're going to get into spoken language. And this is a collection of sounds which are put together in a culturally appropriate manner to form meaning and communication. So the process of producing, transmitting, and receiving these sounds is called phonetics. Phonetics. I got to make sure I'm saying that one right, too. So how did language begin? So no other natural communication system is like human language. Human language can express thoughts on an unlimited number of topics like the weather, the war, the past, the future, mathematics, gossip, fairy tales, how to fix the sink. And every human language has a vocabulary of tens of thousands of words built up from several dozen speech sounds. And what is more remarkable is that every typically developing child learns the whole system from hearing others use it, from just hearing it. So animals' communication systems, in contrast, typically have a... I don't know, most a few dozen distinct calls, and they're used only to communicate immediate issues such as food, danger, threat, or reconciliation. Uh, The attempts to teach um, apes some version of human language, while very fascinating, has produced only rudimentary results. So the properties of human language are unique in the natural world to us humans. I mean, hello. Yes. Thank you, linguisticsociety.org. How did language begin? Humans understand human language. But honestly, I am super impressed how apes have been able to learn stuff. I mean, I feel like, uh, wouldn't it be cool to be able to communicate with so many different species of animals, birds, insects, fish? I mean, wouldn't that just change absolutely everything you thought of? I mean, you'd have to rethink every, like, every decision you make against another conscious being. But the basic difficulty with studying the evolution of language is that the evidence is really sparse. Like spoken languages don't even leave fossils. So uh, we can't really, you know, (laughs) it only tells us so much about our fossils, not what the brain could do, just what it looks like. So the only definitive evidence that we have is the shape of the vocal tract in like your mouth, your tongue, and your throat. So until anatomically modern humans, about 100,000 years ago, the shape of hominid vocal tracts didn't permit the modern range of speech sounds. So we know that they couldn't speak like us because their their mouths were shaped differently, their throats, their everything was shaped differently to create those sounds. But that doesn't mean that language ne- necessarily begin then. I mean, earlier hominids could have had a sort of language that used more restricted range of, you know, constants and vowels, consonants, 
words are hard and vowels and the changes in the vocal tracks. You know, they could have just been faster and more aggressive. <laughs> I know people that talk like that. <laughs> Maybe that's still on their genetics. <laughs> well, this little fun thing I found on, oh my gosh, what can, canburatimes.com.au. But they're, they're the ones that did an article on how far can the human voice travel. So under ideal conditions, the range of the male human voice is about 180 meters. Ugh. Okay. First of all, fuck me, America. I cannot. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't have that uh, in my brain where I can convert meters to miles. What is this bullshit? Like, why can't we just all do the same thing? <laughs> why can't I understand meters? Okay. We're just gonna roll with it. So uh, the male human voice is about 180 meters while still being like you can understand it. You might still be able to hear a speaker's voice at about 360 meters. Don't know how far that fucking is. Oh, my God. This is... <laughs> okay, I'm going to reel it back in here. Okay. According to the Guinness of Records, there is a case recorded of a voice being heard at a distance of 17 kilometers. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know how far that is. That was across still water at night. Okay, so we're talking like all immediately amazing conditions. Or you could be a blue whale pumping out a very low-pitched, extremely loud sound as high as 188 decibels. That's easily the loudest sound made by an animal. Like a jet at takeoff is about 120 decibels. So a whale can be louder than a jet on takeoff. So another blue whale could hear that more than 800 kilometers away. It's fucking far away. That's all I know. That's all I know. But here at the travelandleisure.com slash trip ideas slash yoga wellness slash, oh my gosh, quickest place, oh, quietest place on earth, I found this place that's supposed to be the quietest place on earth. Okay. The Orfield Laboratories is a small room lined from top to bottom with soundproof foam. In 2005, readings were at a negative 2.5 decibels. How do you fucking get negative? Which earned the lab a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records. It earned that distinction again in 2013. Really, how do you get to be negative decibels? I don't know. So according to the lab website, no one is allowed in the room alone and no group is allowed to enter without supervision. I mean, I don't know. I would, I would do it. <laughs> I think it sounds kind of cool. According to Orfield, entering the room can actually be a little disorienting or rather disquieting. Uh, what the chamber tends to do is it tends to scare people because when you get in the chamber, everything gets tremendously quiet like you feel like there's pressure in your ears but it's actually pressure moving away from your ears that's weird so within minutes visitors can actually start to hear the sounds of their own bodies from their bones rubbing together when they move to their own heartbeats and the sound of their lungs oh but you know what I'm already used to this because I use earplugs to go to sleep at night, which are my favorite thing because it shuts out the whole outside world. And now you on the inside and you hear all the inside noises. Oh, maybe I could, I could beat the record at the quietest place. Okay. So it's probably not an experience that's built for everyone uh, because immediately the experience is just too scary for some people. However, it's not just for kicks. They use it to research how silence can be therapeutic for certain disorders like autism, PTSD, and some mental illnesses. The quietest place on earth uh, is in Minnesota and is so quiet that the longest anybody has been able to bear it is 45 minutes. That's the record. Ooh, I wonder if I could go try it out and, and beat the record or if they let people try to beat the record. I don't know. That's the better question. 
But NASA uses a similar chamber to test its astronauts, putting them in a water-filled tank inside the room to see how long it takes before hallucinations take place and whether they could work through it. (laughs) This sounds like a very extreme job requirement. (laughs) And, oh man, I would love that kind of job. So now let's move into do sound frequencies affect the body? I mean, obviously, I'm going to go with a yes. I'm going to go with a yes on this. Our bodies and minds are extremely sensitive to a wide range of frequencies in music and sounds in our environment. And some frequencies in music can also affect our hormones and are capable of triggering a release of endorphins, which acts as our feel-good chemicals that relieve stress and strengthen our immune system. So sounds and music can do this to our bodies. This is awesome. Well, first of all, this is why I absolutely love music. Music is one of my number one favorite things by far in this existence. Uh, But ancient wisdom believed to have been used by Buddhists some 2,500 years ago, and they claim that a frequency of 432 hertz works in the heart chakra, where compassion, love, warmth, and joy are believed to be residing in. And these sound waves have a strong influence to the positive mental and spiritual wellness in the listener. So it looks like destinationdeluxe.com did uh, an article on sound healing and the benefits of it. So it may be like a little woo-woo for some people, but it's hardly the case. So the ancient Greeks used music to cure mental disorders, and throughout history, sound has been used to help people work faster, influence, and boost morale. And many have also believed that sound can heal the body. Absolutely. I think so too. That's because humans have a natural instinct for sound therapy. So when it's kind of like when you hear your favorite song, it immediately lifts your mood. There's like an emotion that is created from these sounds. So how sound healing works is that it synchronizes the brain waves to achieve these profound states of like relaxation and helping to restore, you know, the normal vibratory frequencies of the cells in your body. While there are many types of sound therapy, all of them produce vibrations that alter your brain waves. Malbert Lee, a Hong Kong-based crystal bowl and gong master, says vibrations are especially useful for healing the body. The adult body is 75% water, and water is a great conductor for sound vibrations. Yes, it is. So when vibrations travel through the body, they promote circulation, energy flow, and rejuvenation. So different things that can be used over... The years with sound healing is uh, one of them is gongs. They've been used as a form of sound healing since like 4000 BC forever ago. Uh, Now they're used in gong baths. Those I've been reading up on too. This is a style of like meditation where the practitioner creates a different tone and patterns with the gongs to produce vibrations that work on, you know, like your mind body connection. And they use gongs because that frequency works so fast. The gong has a stronger vibration and a much richer sound because of its size and structure. So the sound can put you in a deeply relaxed and meditative theta state in as quickly as 60 to 90 seconds. That's fast. Whoa. Well, what is it about 432 hertz that makes us feel so relaxed? Well, music affects more than just our psyche, you know, it affects your internal functions like blood pressure, speed up, slow down, your heart rate, reduce anxiety, even help with digestion. I mean, these are things that happen when you listen to certain types of music. So it makes sense that if we spent more time being attuned to the natural electromagnetic pulse of the earth, which is 432 hertz, we would in turn feel more centered, balanced, and, you know, peaceful. Yeah. That sounds about right. I'll I'll accept that. So according to music theory, 432 hertz is mathematically consistent with the universe, not just the earth. So music tuned to 432 is softer and brighter. It's said to provide greater clarity and it's easier on the ears. So here's a funny thing. Uh, all Most of the music that we listen to in modern day is not at 432 hertz. It's at 440 hertz. Um, 
why is that? There's some conspiracy theories that that was done on purpose because, you know, we believe that 440 hertz was designed to stimulate fear and sickness and oppression. The hell? Why would we do that to each other? Uh, this imposed frequency was introduced as the standard frequency in 1940 in the U.S. What the fuck, U.S.? Can we switch it back? Can Who's in charge of this shit? <laughs> so... But it has an excellent influence on spiritual development of the listeners. So, yeah, let's get rid of this 440. Okay, so now let's get into this crazy shit. Can sound be weaponized? Yes. (laughs) What are we doing to each other? Okay, so in Wikipedia, they talk about sonic weapons. So sonic and ultrasonic weapons are weapons of various types that use sound to injure or incapacitate an opponent. An opponent. Like it's a game. Oh my god. Okay, I take it back though, because if this is a simulation, I mean, honestly, I feel like this is a game. But even if it's a game, we should play nice to each other. (laughs) You know what I mean? Some sonic weapons make a focused beam of sound or ultrasound, and others produce an area field of a sound. So as of 2021, military and police forces make limited use of sonic weapons. So, yep, using them on us. Extremely high-powered sound waves can disrupt or destroy the eardrums of a target and can cause severe pain or disorientation. This is usually sufficient enough to incapacitate a person. How thoughtful. Uh, But less powerful sound waves can cause humans to experience nausea or discomfort. So, you know, if we just want, want to be a little bit mean. We can make him throw up. (laughs) The possibility of a device that produces frequency that causes vibration of the eyeballs (laughs) and therefore distortion of vision was also suggested by a paranormal researcher, Vic Tandy, in the 1990s. He was trying to attempt to demystify a haunting in his laboratory. And it was like there was all these feelings of unease and a vague glimpse of a gray apparition. But... After doing some detective work, he found out that there was some newly installed extractor fan and it was generating an infrasound of like 18.9 hertz and it was causing eyeballs to vibrate and giving distortions in vision. Well, there's also a long-range acoustic device called an LRAD that produces a 30-degree cone of audible sound and frequencies within the human hearing spectrum. And it was used by the crew of a cruise ship, Seaborne Spirit, in 2005 to deter pirates who had chased and attacked their ship. <laughs> that's that's kind of cool. I mean... <laughs> There's still pirates, for one. That's crazy. But being able to get rid of them with an LRAD? I love it. More commonly, this device and others of similar design have been used to disperse protesters and rioters in crowd control efforts. A similar system is called a magnetic acoustic device, the Mosquito. (laughs) This already sounds fucking awful. First of all, I love all of the creatures on this planet, except for a few of them, and mosquitoes and gnats and flies are are some of those. The mosquito sonic device has been used in the United Kingdom to deter teenagers from lingering around shops in target areas. What the hell? <laughs> Why you be so mean to them teenagers? The device works by emitting an ultra-high frequency blast that teenagers or people under approximately 20 are susceptible to and find uncomfortable. Oh, that's right. Okay, so there's different frequencies that you can hear according to the age you are. So there's some that I guess I can't hear no more because I'm not in my 20s. But age-related hearing loss apparently prevents the ultra-high pitch sound from causing a nuisance to those in their late 20s and above. So, yay, getting older for one thing. (laughs) All right, so now let's just take it up one more notch and ask the question, can sound kill you? So, let's find out. I found on decibelpro.app. 
they have an article on can sound kill you. So sounds above 150 decibels have the potential of causing life threatening issues. Sounds between 170 to 200 decibels are so intense that they can cause lethal issues like pulmonary embolisms, pulmonary contusions, or even burst lungs. As for exploding heads, you can expect that from sounds above 240 decibels. Your head can explode? Oh, okay. However, such high intensity sounds are very rare. Imagine a loud rock concert and double or triple that noise level to imagine how loud a sound that can kill you would be. I mean... I've been to lots of loud concerts. All you have to do is double it. Ugh, that seems too close. I don't know. But in general, sound levels above 150 decibels are produced by rare events like massive explosions or, or rocket launches. So some believe total silence can be harmful. Wait, so that place that's like totally quiet can be harmful? Oh, it just says that it makes people want to go crazy. <laughs> I'm there already. We're good. Okay, moving on. So how does sound kill you? Well, sound is a wave and that wave of pressure can act like an actual wave. So it can move through both solids and liquids and pass through our bodies as well. So man, it's going to hit you like a giant tsunami. So that's how sound can kill you. No, thank you. I'm good. Well, I found on this blog, it's like, what is, what is, nus.edu.sg, blah, 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 the shrimp with a sonic weapon. Okay, so the tiger pistol shrimp is a species of marine shrimp most notable for the way it captures its prey. It uses acoustics to focus a wave of sound to stun its prey, usually less than an inch in length. That just little itty guys. These shrimp have two types of claws, a pincher and an enlarged claw called the snapper, which can generate an underwater shockwave capable of stunning smaller shrimp. But it's not just the little guys. Once its prey is stunned, the pistol shrimp can then easily capture it. But what's really cool is this little tiny insignificant creature is capable of producing a sound so deafening it can not only capture its prey without contact, but it can interfere with the use of underwater acoustics by larger marine creatures such as dolphins. So the use of these little sonic frequencies to stun other animals is also seen in a few other marine creatures. Um, in 2005, they found that bottlenose dolphins also emit particular sound waves to stun its prey. Though the pistol shrimp is not the only marine creature that uses this to de debilitate its prey, it remains unique in the sense that the sound produced by a single snap of its claw is among the loudest emitted by marine creatures. So this tiny little shrimp can snap its little fingers so loud, it can stun its prey. I mean, the pistol shrimp snapper claw is reportedly capable of producing a sound louder than the sperm whale, which is known to be one of the loudest animals in the sea. This is, th what? This little guy <laughs> is like He-Man of the ocean. Oh, so now we're going to get into the world's most mysterious noises, broadcasts, and transmissions found on TurboFuture.com. So these are fun. Okay, the first one is the hum. So the hum is a name given to like a widespread reports of a persistent and invasive low frequency humming or like rumbling or droning noise that not audible to all people. Hums have been reported all over the world, including the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, and Canada. They're sometimes named according to the locality where the problem was. So there's like the Tal hum and New Mexico hum and the Windsor hum in Ontario, but the hum does not appear to be a single phenomenon. Different causes have been, you know, like, I don't know, they thought maybe it was from industrial plants or uh, biological auditory effects. What? I don't know, but it's a complete mystery. Now there's this thing called mist balfers. 
missed Palfers. What? Okay. So for centuries, people around the world have reported hearing mysterious booms like those produced by a gun or a cannon. They can sometimes be so powerful that they've been known to rattle windows and doors. So it's not like this isn't having a physical effect on people. It is very much real. But depending on which part of the world these noises occur, they go by a variety of names, which, okay, so Mist Palfer is a in Belgium and the Netherlands. So yeah, they've got some fun words for that. Um, let's see. It's the Redemboss in the Philippines, the Seneca guns of North America. I don't even know how to say that in German. <laughs> but the sounds are often not always like heard around water. That's one of the places it is not produced. So they think maybe it's from earthquakes or rock bursts or mud volcanoes or I don't know. They have so many things that they think it is, but uh, there's no scientific census on what it actually is. Pretty weird, Mist Palfer. So next we have the Yellowstone Whispers. So since the world-famous Yellowstone Park in Wyoming opened in 1872, there have been records of a strange, ominous whispering emanating from the Yellowstone and the Shoshone Lakes. <laughs> Ooh, maybe I said that one right. <laughs> but described as a cross between a whistle and a horse whine is what it sounds like. So previous accounts describe the whispers as beginning in the north, growing increasingly loud as they sweep over the area and then becoming more and more faint as they move away in the opposite direction. So according to a 1915 account of the phenomenon by Captain Hiram Martin Shit. Chittendon. Chittendon. <laughs> the sound seems to have a general motion through the air beginning from the north to the south with a noise resembling the ringing of telephone wires or buzzing of bees. So the whispers have actually been heard fairly infrequently over the years, but it's believed that they occur the most regularly between dawn and 10 a.m. in the morning. So theories on the cause of the sound include flocks of birds in flight, erupting volcanic gases. Man, we, bl we blame a lot of shit on volcanoes. Um, but of course, there's also those ghost stories associated with the phenomenon that su suggests that the sound is produced by spirits of Native Americans. Well, that moves us into the Aztec death whistle. This sounds lovely. So, <laughs> though no one is entirely sure of the purpose of it, the common belief is that the Aztecs may have used death whistles for special ceremonies like Day of the Dead, religious rituals, human sacrifice, and intimidating enemies. Um, yeah, I'd say the last one for sure, because when played, the sound that comes out from these whistles is absolutely disturbing. So, uh, so if you like the sound of blood curdling, screaming, tortured people, <laughs> I don't know, this instrument might be for you, but for everyone else, uh, they might not like it as much. Well, now we get to the well to hell. <laughs> this one sounds fun. In Russia's history, Siberia was a place mostly reserved for political prisoners and exiles and a punishment considered so harsh that some even saw it as inhospitable wintry landscapes as hell on earth. So it was somewhat of a coincidence that in early 1990s, stories started circulating about a group of scientists who had located hell, not on Siberia's surface, but below it, deep underground. The story goes that in 1989, geologists digging what's believed to be in Kola Superdeep Borehole, I hope I said that right, were startled after drilling around 12 to 14 kilometers into the Earth's crust. Sensors recorded a massive temperature spike in to like 2,000 Fahrenheit, uh, accompanied by what sounded like masses of people screaming and wailing in pain and torment. Um, <laughs> if I was digging in the backyard just trying to work on a little project and that happened to me, I would be a little spooked. The scientists then watched in horror as a massive cloud of gas burst out from the ground and formed itself into a large monstrous bat, which then wrote in Russian, I have conquered. 
in fiery letters across the night sky. What kind of shit is this? The media sources most credited for the reporting the story are a Finnish Christian publication known as, oh no, I'm going to butcher this one. Um, Anusasastia? <laughs> That's a good try. And TBN, a North American Christian broadcast network. So the Christians were all on board with this. For many people, this whole episode of scientists finding hell by digging, you know, really deep into a hole seems as plausible as reaching heaven with a really tall ladder. But unsurprisingly, the account is often dismissed as a hoax created by a Christian organization to spread fear of the devil. What? You mean they do that? <laughs> Regardless of whether it's based on some actual event or it was totally fake, the Well to Hell tale can be credited for creating some of the freakiest audio recordings to ever be broadcast on radio as an alleged true event. All right, now we're getting to the exploding heads syndrome. What the fuck is this? I mean... I was trying to think. I've had a few incidences where, you know, there was something like that, but I didn't know that's what it was called, and I don't even know if that's what happened to me. So uh, we're not really talking about people's heads physically exploding, like by too much sound. Um, this is a term used to describe an auditory experience in which a sleeping person, okay, you're asleep or almost asleep or half asleep, you know, in that little sleep state. Uh, will jolt awake at the sound of a deafening bang or a loud explosion that can only be heard by them inside their head. So if, you know, someone's laying next to you, they're not going to hear it. It's, it's all in your head. But awakening to such a noise can be a truly frightening experience. So much so that some people have reported that they believe they were having a seizure or some kind of a hemorrhage of the brain. Others have believed that they were under attack by a paranormal or a sinister force with an energy weapon. I mean, I can understand why you would freak the fuck out when an explosion happens inside your head. I mean, I, I'm just saying. But though the experience was first described in 1920, the real cause for the noise has never been widely researched. I mean, prior to 2015, the syndrome was widely believed to occur mostly in adults over the age of 50. But there was a study done in 2015 that argues that exploding head syndrome is more common in younger people than previously thought. So they further suggest that the cause may be due to the brain failing to shut down during sleep. So uh, there again, what kind of a medium is wiggling to bang inside your brain? I mean, what is happening here? Okay, this one sounds shitty <laughs> and you'll see why. So the brown note. Uh, this sound only exists in theory, though there are conspiracy theorists who suggest that some world governments have developed technology that can, can produce the brown note and use it to subdue protest protesters. Oh my god, words are fucking hard. The brown note is meant to be an infrasonic frequency between 5 and 9 hertz that supposedly corresponds to the frequency of the human colon, resulting in nearby people immediately shitting themselves. <laughs> no, seriously, this is awful. I mean, can you imagine some asshole getting a hold of this? <laughs> no. So the theory has been tested by brainiacs and mythbusters who found that the brown note did not achieve its rumored effect. So as of right now, it's still a conspiracy theory. Okay, but one thing that can deter the masses that has been created is called the mosquito. Ugh, as earlier, the most annoying insect in the world the sound can convince youths to move on but youths also use it to their advantage since some have adopted it as a ringtone that can only be detected by their age group <laughs> smart little teenagers getting back the man okay so now we get to sounds from saturn so while basically all the planets emit radio waves, none is quite as creepy or unsettling as those radiating from Saturn. 
with eerie noises that sound like something ripped right from the 1950s B-horror or sci-fi movie, and incredible array of variations in frequency and time, the radio emissions were originally detected by the Cassini spacecraft in 2002. Scientists believe that the waves are closely linked to the auroras near the planet's poles and that their rising and falling tones are similar to Earth's own auroral radio emissions. So let's see what this sounds like. Okay, well, that is fucking awesome. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. Super retro. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Okay, our next one is called RAF, R-A-F Montrose, a haunting broadcast. So imagine this. Uh, an old radio sitting on a shelf without access to electricity, mysteriously turning itself on to play a broadcast that hasn't been heard for over 70 years. So the staff and volunteers at Montrose Air Station in Scotland claimed that such an event happened to them in 2010 when an old Pi wireless radio on display and with no power source repeatedly played World War II transmissions featuring speeches from Winston Churchill and big band music by the Glenn Miller Orchestra. So apparently when technicians inspected the 70-year-old radio, they found that it was lacking the components necessary to be receiving any broadcast. Oh, this is awesome. So Montrose is widely described as one of the most haunting buildings in Britain, though for some reason the staff never kept any record equipment on standby to capture such a bizarre phenomenon on tape. So all we have to go on are their personal accounts, which of course are difficult to verify, but okay, who's to say that if you have multiple people coming forward to claim that this amazing shit happens, I'm not here to question their sanity. I'm here to question what's happening to them, in my opinion. Okay, so the next one is one of my favorites, electronic voice phenomena or EVPs. So this is when... It's like recordings of mysterious noises, and there's probably no subject that's debated the most about is it real, is it not. Um, you can hear almost anything like footsteps and growling or door slamming, um, but also voices. So people detect these sounds only while reviewing audio and visual recordings, and they never heard anyone present at the time of the recording. So this is something that you normally hear afterwards when you go back and watch or listen to your recording. You don't actually hear it when you're there. So all this means is it doesn't mean that it didn't happen because remember, humans can only hear in this tiny little frequency. So these noises are happening at frequencies beyond our hearing range is what I'm guessing and that our instruments are able to pick it up somehow. So there's a range of explanations, of course, on what all this stuff is, um, that they're just created by ghosts speaking from beyond the grave, you know, on frequencies inaudible to us, inaudible to us, but the idea has been around for a really long time with a notable example of an early EVP being from Frederick Jurgensen. Oh, I hope I got that right. Who claimed that in 1957, he captured the voices of his deceased parents while trying to record bird sounds. So Jurgensen had originally assumed that the voices were just stray radio broadcast signals until they seemed to address him personally. So those skeptic of EVPs are, you know, that they're the voices of the dead or have you know, offered several other stray radio waves or their hoaxes or their interference of nearby radio sources. Um, but nobody knows for sure what's going on with these things. And I have a really fun story and it's really like in this limbo area of EVP and white noise because my experience was that it was an electronic voice phenomena, 
but I didn't have to wait to hear it uh, after I'd recorded it. I was hearing it live in real time. I was not like weirded out later. No, this shit was happening right now and I could hear it coming through my speakers. So, okay, story time. Okay, so let's rewind. Um, How far? I don't know. (laughs) I was in my 20s and this was when I was writing music. So I got laid off from my corporate job. Best thing ever. Oh my gosh. I mean, if that couldn't have just put me on the right track, (laughs) I don't know what did, but I got severance pay for eight months to just smoke pot and write music and hang out in my new house. It was awesome in your early 20s. (laughs) So that's what I did. So uh, while I was writing music, though, I don't know. There was just this period of time where that's all I did. And I've never just ever done one thing before. I always have to do like everything. Just I want to do it all as much as possible. Just put it in me. I need to know. (laughs) So, but at this point in time, it was just like I just wanted to be, I just wanted this music to come out of me. So that's what I did. I sat in my bedroom for like five, six, seven hours a day and wrote music and played the piano. I bought myself like a Trinity Korg and I had the workstation and I would just get super high and write music. And it was just so therapeutic. But so it was just coming out of me at this one point where it was just awesome. It was like a faucet. I was not in control of anything. And I started just laying down these tracks and I wanted to get really kind of creepy and mysterious with them. (laughs) I was like, how can we wear this up a little bit? Um, But I noticed that I got into this great flow and man, I was just killing this one song. And for the life of me, I can't remember the exact song that this happened on, you know, fuck my memory. (laughs) But I do know that I, while I would play back on certain things I started to notice certain things that were not what I had recorded like I was super OCD I knew every note every tone where it was supposed to be how fast it was supposed to be going and now during some of my playbacks I was starting to hear things that I was like what is that (laughs) like I did not fucking play that I have been rehearsing this and repeating it and playing it over and over and over. I have perfected this sound. What the fuck is that? (laughs) Like, and so I started listening and you would just hear it every once in a while. It was like, it it was like these deep tones that were coming through and just kind of sporadic like notes or sounds. And I was like, the fuck? Until one day, now this has been happening, I don't know, for weeks, maybe a couple months at this point in time. I started to pick on more rhythmic, I don't even know how to explain it. It's okay. So it started sounding like a voice and I was like, well, that's impossible. Okay. So I have like my keyboard hooked up to like this receiver that's just hooked up to a speaker. That's it. I'm not, okay. This is before internet. I mean, I think I had the internet, but we didn't, I didn't have my keyboard on the internet. I was downloading shit off of Napster at this point in time. Okay, can we? (laughs) So, yeah. So there was no, like, it didn't have a a radio on it or anything like that. You couldn't just turn on a radio. That's not what kind of a receiver it was. It just put it into my speaker. So I'm like, where is this voice coming from? Am I losing my fucking mind? And (laughs) so I started paying attention. And one night I understood some words that started coming out of these this music I was playing back and it was this angry fucking man that was like screaming and I this is the first word I understood he screamed fuck at me (laughs) so well first of all I speak fuck so I was (laughs) like what hello are we having a conversation (laughs) I was a little confused to say the least so and who do you tell that to you're like oh hey guess what my keyboard yelled fuck at me the other day it's a little hard to have those conversations, except for with my few friends that have accepted me, accepted me as, as being weird. So the real kicker came in when one day I had, I was kind of rehearsing because I was going to have my very first performance in front of anybody ever 
all I was was a bedroom singer. And so I was getting ready for uh, the show. And so I was like, I have to start getting over this stage fright of singing in front of people. So I invited two of my friends over. I'd been singing all day in my bedroom, super high. And I was like, all right, here's the plan, guys. So um, actually, okay, put a pin in that. Before that, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sing in front of people. So one of my roommates at the time, I would make him get in the car with me and we'd drive around. And I was like, okay, this is how I want to get over a stage right. We're both going to start singing a song together and on the radio. And then eventually you're going to stop singing. And I'm going to keep singing and then I'll gain some confidence. So I made him do this with me. <laughs> it worked a little bit. So fast forward. I invite two friends to listen to me sing, like really sing. Like this is what I've been practicing doing. This is a performance <laughs> like song that I'm going to be doing in front of other people. So you guys get to preview this. Okay. So now one thing I'm going to clarify here really quick is I have been singing for a long time. Like I sang in choirs and chorus and like things with other people, but I had only done solos like in f with a group of people where it's just like for you know a few minutes I'd never performed my own music and sang completely by myself before so this is my solo debut here okay wait that's not true either okay when I was oh my gosh how old was I sixth seventh grade something like that I was in chorus in school and the teacher did all of these testings to see how far everybody's range was and I had the widest range in the class and so she asked me if I wanted to do um the Star Spangled Banner for the opening of a high school basketball game and I was like sure why like I was fearless I don't know how but I got up there in front of everybody in the gym saying the Star Spangled Banner and then went one octave up at the high note and it was super cool okay so that was my first solo debut but I didn't write that song no 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 so that's a little different but okay here we go and they're like yeah 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 we want to hear it and they were all on board for everything so I invited back in my bedroom and one was sitting on the bed and one was standing next to my bed because my keyboard's just like right up against my bed. That's my studio. And I play this song and I'm singing it and it's fucking awesome. And I can feel that I'm killing it. And their energy is like all excited because they actually knew. <laughs> we're like, oh, she's actually kind of good at this. <laughs> and in the middle of this point in time where I'm not singing just part of the instrumentals of the song. This man starts screaming through the speakers at me like the most craziest things ever. I don't know if I can exactly remember it, but it was all like, I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. Fuck you. Like the most wildest shit you've ever heard anybody say to another human being through the speakers as my song's playing. And both of my friends that I've been telling them about this turn and look at me and they are white as sheets and they're freaking out. And they're like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I was like, no, wait, this is what I was talking about. I'm so fucking glad you guys were here to witness this because I have a witnesses now. And they're like, no, nah, we got to go. I see you later. I was like, bye. I was so excited. But so what the fuck is that? <laughs> like there's just we're just going to go ahead and confirm that there's a man yelling at me through my keyboard that's hooked up to nothing that can receive voices. It's just virtually plugged into the wall. It's powered on. OK, what does that mean? How, who is this man? First of all, I don't fucking recognize that voice either. I don't know that dude. And first of all, I recognize voices, sounds I am so good at. Like that's the one thing that I've got. If if you call me 20 years from now and we're friends and within a few seconds of you speaking, I know who you are. I recognize your voice. I didn't know this dude. He, <laughs> this dude was pissed and he wanted to let me know all about it. So where is this guy? Like, 
is he mad at why is he mad at me first this is where I go with this I get all like hmm <laughs> let's break this down so where is this guy is this another dimension is he dead is he a demon is he like just a figment of my imagination is he what who is this guy is he related to me I don't know him like I literally don't know this person so let's just go with that I don't know him so he's nobody that's important he's just some rando okay so this rando is screaming at me so maybe it's just timing maybe he's like oh she can fucking hear me and that's why she's he's yelling fuck at me <laughs> he's, he's excited i i yell fuck when i get excited maybe that's what it is but the whole you know you're gonna die i want to kill you and then i'm like eh, nah, we're not friends so <laughs> what is what is the point of all of this? Like, is he just trying so hard to communicate with me? Is he trying to scare the shit out of me for some reason? Because, boy, he sucked at it. He did not do good. He got fired from whatever job that he was in at the time. No. Um, I can't figure it out. <laughs> and after that huge climax of an event, like I, I never heard from him again on my keyboard. It was like, that was it. It was like... The crescendo, <laughs> he made his presence, da -da. he's mad. Okay, cool, uh, bye. And that was it. So I was like, well, I guess now I just understand that sound comes from more places than we think it comes from. Sound isn't limited to just our dimension or our realm or our universe or our simulation or whatever. Sound propagates in multiple dimensions. I mean, think about that. Sound must propagate in multiple dimensions. So th does that change the physics of sound? Because it does for me. Absolutely. That means that the sounds that I hear, I should pay more attention to because they're not just coming from here. They could be coming from a lot of different places. So you just got to pay attention and you listen to the good ones. <laughs> you don't listen to the shitty ones that tell you to fuck off and that they want to kill you. No, fuck that guy. We're not friends. <laughs> And he's gone. You get what I'm saying? Like, move along to the good ones. That's what I want. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed the time that we have spent here together. There is some weird shit in the universe. Even when you simplify it down to simple things like sounds, it gets super complicated. And it just shows how complex this universe, this existence, this reality, this game that we're playing is. And dang, I'm so excited to play this game every day because there's always something new and fun to learn. I want to learn something new every single day. That's what I look forward to. And if anything, maybe at least I can share the weird shit that I learn with you guys. So please join me again next time and send me any cool shit that might have happened to you too. I want to know. I love these things. Just send it to accesselysium at gmail.com and I would love to hear more about anybody else's experiences too. So thank you so much for listening today and I will see you on the next Access Elysium podcast. <laughs>